Talk Live. It's your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features there we give away, so do enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. You call in, you bring up anything. It is uh, another live edition of the program when many shows take Christmas week off. We're here bringing you live content every single night, so don't hesitate to get on the phones and get interactive. Uh, Let's start things out by talking about this recent Ron Paul controversy. I just love the Ron Paul campaign. It just keeps getting better and better. Now, Nick, did you see the interview um, with the uh, with Tim Ressert over the weekend? I did. <laughs> First of all, it was a good interview. Uh, Ron got to really get into some of the issues, and uh, Tim Ressert threw some pretty, you know, relatively difficult questions his way. Uh, but one of the questions that came up ended up somehow spinning off into the Civil War, interestingly enough, and that gave Ron Paul the opportunity to come out and tell the truth about Abraham Lincoln, which, of course, shocked Tim Russert, uh, and uh, apparently it shocked more than just Tim Russert. Many people uh, uh, that were watching that, including others who are in the media, have basically spent uh, a, the good part of this week trashing on Ron Paul as a result of that. Were you aware of this? Oh, I was, yeah. And I, I think I think Ron defended his points pretty well. I mean, considering that it's a viewpoint that most people haven't heard before, Right. I think he did a pretty good job of explaining it. I uh, I saw an episode of uh, the, the Tucker Carlson show, not the whole thing, but the relevant portion, where the fill-in guy had two people on as guests, and all three of them just spent five minutes trashing on Ron Paul because he was, how dare he insult Honest Abe, right? I mean, they were just, basically all they were doing was just spouting off the propaganda that they were spoon-fed uh, while they were in government school and acting as though, you know, this was blasphemous for uh, for Ron Paul to uh, to take the position he did. And, of course, the position he took was that, if we wanted to end slavery, and that's purportedly what the Civil War was supposed to be about, of course, you and I know better. Well, it was a part of it. I it, mean, was it was a factor, for sure. But if, if it were really true that uh, they had wanted to end slavery, they could have done it without fighting a war. They could have, uh, as he suggested, Ron Paul suggested, bought the slaves' freedom. Would have been probably cheaper. Certainly wouldn't have resulted in hundreds of thousands of people, uh, their demise. So uh, I don't I don't really understand why that's an unreasonable suggestion. And then Ron Paul also juxtaposed uh, our civil war against the rest of the world and said every other country has gotten rid of slavery without fighting a war. Why was it necessary here? And of course, Tim Russert didn't have an answer to it, and none of the hosts that were trashing on Ron Paul really had anything to say about that point. They just were just outraged. They wanted to be indignant. Yeah, I mean, at least at least he answered honestly, because I have heard Ron Paul say the same things in the past. At least he didn't change his position on right. it just for the sake of, of changing it. But I do have to wonder if this is going to affect his standing in the polls at all. You think? Um, I actually I don't. I don't think it's I don't think it's that radical of a notion. Um, maybe they certainly p- tried to paint it that way. They he, tried to make it sound just awful for him to do that. I don't know. He might even pick up. I mean, a lot of people don't watch the news day to day enough to catch that every little comment that's oh, made. Oh sure. And um, maybe he'll even pick up some points in South Carolina. Maybe so. I wanted to share this uh, blog entry from the Lou Rockwell blog in relation to this. Uh, it's from Thomas D. Lorenzo, who, as you may be aware, wrote a book about Abraham Lincoln called The Real Lincoln. 
He says that Joe Scarborough's stand-in on the Morning Joe television program, David Schuster, once again has tried to smear Ron Paul and once again reveals his ignorance in doing so. This morning, Ron called in to correct the lies that various neocons like Schuster have been spreading about what he said to Tim Russert about Lincoln and his war. Schuster adamantly claimed that Ron had embarrassed himself by claiming that Lincoln did not invade his own country to uh, to free the slaves. But it's Schuster who's embarrassingly ignorant of his own history. In fact, it would be hard to find a single American historian with any credibility who would argue that in 1861 an invasion of the southern states was launched to free the slaves. Schuster is not only unaware of what is written in my book, The Real Lincoln, but also of what's in almost all other books on the war. Slave owners in the border states occupied by the U.S. Army were allowed to keep their slaves. Whenever any of Lincoln's generals, such as General Fremont, took it upon themselves to emancipate uh, to emancipate some slaves early in the war, Lincoln rebuffed them, reversed their decisions, then demoted the generals. The Emancipation Proclamation itself very specifically exempted all areas of the country that were controlled by the U.S. Army, guaranteeing that no slaves would be emancipated by the proclamation. So, it's just it was just a shell game, a political. Uh, essentially a magic trick, if you will. He was just fooling people. Well, and the the Emancipation Proclamation was designed to get the southern states to re-enter the Union by a certain date, and that way they would be allowed to keep to their keep slaves. To keep the slaves. Uh-huh. In his first inaugural address, Lincoln referred to the proposed Corwin Amendment to the Constitution that would have prohibited the federal government from ever interfering with slavery. He said that he already held the legality of slavery to be implied constitutional law and, quote, I have no objection to its being made express and irrevocable by enshrining slavery explicitly in the Constitution. So Abraham Lincoln did not care. He didn't care about freeing the slaves. His issue was keeping the Union together. His issue was keeping the southern states in this, what was supposedly originally a voluntary agreement. Well, even the North, the North and the Northeast believed in secession up to the point of the Civil War. Mm. Um, and it was really, from the history reading I've done, the reason that um, people in the North really were willing to go to war against the South was that the South did essentially fire the first shots against Fort this, Sumner. This is true. But, that's, but prior to that, there wasn't really much preparation for war. They were, they, it didn't seem like there was really the willpower to keep the South and the Union through bloodshed. Not only that, but it was Lincoln working with William Seward who orchestrated the passing of that amendment through the U.S. Senate. Even Lincoln worshiper Doris Kearns Goodwin documents all of this in her book, Team of Rivals. Schuster, of course, knows nothing about all this, nor does anyone else in the media, apparently. In my August 22nd, 1862 letter to newspaper editor Horace, or in an August 22nd letter to uh, newspaper editor Horace Greeley, Lincoln explained the purpose of the war. Quote, my paramount objective in this struggle is to save the Union and is not either to save or destroy slavery. These are Lincoln's words. He continued, if I could save the Union without freeing any slave, I would do it. And if I could save it by freeing some and leaving others alone, I would also do that. What I do about slavery and the colored race, I do because I believe it helps to save the Union. He was using the slaves well, at best. Or using the idea of, of abolition right. to, to promote the war in the North where abolition was a popular idea. Mm-hmm. But um, Just another politician. But there was plenty of racism in the North, too. I mean, many sure. Northerners weren't morally opposed to slavery. 
He said, uh, uh, this back to uh, Thomas DiLorenzo says, of course, in reality, he destroyed the voluntary union of the states that was established by the founders. The U.S. Congress concurred with Lincoln's statement. In 1861, it issued a proclamation saying that the purpose of the war was not interference with the rights or established institutions of those states that had seceded, i.e. slavery, but to preserve the union with the rights of the several states, including slavery, unimpaired. It's an ugly truth, says DiLorenzo, but it is the truth. And it's also something that people like David Schuster in the mainstream media are completely unfamiliar with. Right. I mean, <laughs> anyone who's gotten past, say, high school level history should probably and has done some own research on, on the Civil War should be able to tell you that it, slavery was one part of what, what led up to the war, but it, it, states' rights were a big part of it. And the fact that the, one of the main reasons the South left wasn't that they felt slavery was threatened, because the North, North didn't have the right number of congressmen to pass an amendment. It was, it was taxation. It was, it was tariffs on the South, right. heavy cotton tariffs and things like that. It really, slavery was a very minor part of it, and throughout the war and after the war, it was made a big issue to try to make the war seem more justified. Exactly, and of course, uh, government has been teaching the history classes ever since then, uh, and so of course, government has an incentive to teach their essentially revisionist version of history and indoctrinate all the American youth into believing that, oh, it was all about slavery. Well, there was that little union thing, but that wasn't a big deal. It was slavery. That's why the uh, Civil War happened. And I, I really, they pound that into you in government high school. And, and of course, then there's the, the whole Honest Abe thing. And they really try to paint this guy as being one of the greatest politicians or greatest presidents in American history. And it seems like... Uh, it seems like whenever a government high school history class tells you that there was a great president, you should really question that. You know, usually it's Lincoln, it's FDR, you know, all, some of the worst presidents in our past, at least if you're looking at it from a pro-freedom perspective, if you're a socialist or a statist, then, yeah, those would be great presidents in your mind. More on the way. This is your show. You can take control. It's Free Talk Live. Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got all kinds of stuff, including the bulletin board system with over 300,000 posts. Uh, lots of uh, fun stuff there. Serious issues, too. You'll find it all. And it's all for free at bbs.freetalklive.com. Your mattress was likely manufactured using all kinds of disturbing chemicals. Does that bother you? Well, it bothers some scientists, especially in the case of young children. Savvy Rest mattresses are made of 100% natural latex rubber, organic wool, and organic cotton. Try their crib mattresses, too. SavvyRest.com for the sleep you've been dreaming of. That's SavvyRest.com. Toll-free number here, 800-259-9231. As always, you can bring up anything. Let's go into the email box. Uh, this one from Dark Apostrophe. He says, hey, happy winter solstice. I'm an anarcho-capitalist. A year ago, I was a socialist, fresh out of government high school. Interestingly enough, Ron Paul attracted our emailer to libertarianism, and Murray Rothbard chased Marx out of my head. Who's been listening to, uh, he says, he's been listening to Free Talk Live for a few months now, and I must say, love the show. I listen to it while commuting to work every day. He says, you bring up interesting, fascinating, and sometimes disturbing news and discussions with rarely heard, though much needed, viewpoints. Listening about the activism going on over there from the Free State Project to the secession of the Lakotas, uh, though as we uh, discussed with Russell Means last night from the Lakota Nation, it's not actually a secession, but more than, uh, it's more like just a... 
uh, them freeing themselves from several treaties and establishing their own nation because you have to be a they state. Were so, weren't they sovereign? I thought Indian reservations were supposedly sovereign anyway. I think they're more sovereign now that they're uh, essentially tearing up the, the treaties with the, the U.S. government. So it's not really secession because they never joined the Union in the first place. Anyway, uh, he says, it makes me envious. There's only a handful of libertarians here, and I guess here is Norway, as he says here in a moment. Uh, he says there's only a handful of libertarians in Norway and a few hundred classical liberals. The rest are adherents of one form of statism or another, predominantly socialism. Your show is definitely a breath of fresh air, and I wish a radio station here in Norway would broadcast it. It'd stir some serious controversy. I don't think that's ever going to be likely to happen, just because, well, I'm pretty sure English isn't the primary language uh, over in Norway, and odds are pretty much against that. It's it's hard enough to get on a Canadian radio station, let alone anything outside of this country. Yeah, anywhere they don't speak English as a first language would be tough. Plus, in a lot of European uh, states, they don't really have talk radio like America does, which is interesting. Even Canada seems to have a sparse selection. I was trying to see what they have for talk radio in Canada online, and I couldn't, I couldn't find very much besides news. They have it. There's certainly a lot more of it, I think, towards uh, like the border. Like in, uh, what, what is it that's across from Detroit? There's some Canadian city right across uh, Oh, I can't think of it off the top of my head. But, but I think Toronto. I think you'll find it certainly in the more the, the larger urban areas of Canada. But even so, I mean, a lot of their content isn't really originally Canadian. They'll take, they'll take shows like uh, Dr. Joy Brown, sort of apolitical shows, shows that are more advice style shows from America, rather than stuff that are... Because most American talk radio is Republican slash Democrat, and they don't want that in Canada. Well, so. my, my advice to Free Talk Live listeners in other countries is, if, if you're not an English-speaking country, start your own podcast and try to, try to do it in wherever you're living. That's a great idea, and and starting a podcast is certainly the way to go. Because again, if there are no if there are no talk stations, and the the radio industry is so heavily regulated to the point where there's only a few people allowed to own stations, it's probably not going to be uh, there. Probably aren't going to be any talk stations um, starting soon. I had a guy from Germany email me recently saying he was desperate to get into talk radio, but there's nothing in his country. There's nothing. There are no opportunities. You either you're a music disc jockey or you're not in radio. Well, uh, so. then podcasting is the way to go. Yeah, it sure is. Anyway, he says, uh, I wish you the best of luck, blah, blah, blah. He says, I have one question for you. I currently have a full-time job working at an Internet service provider's call center. I'm 19 years old and still live with my parents, both of whom work. My father works as a local government bureaucrat, something I've repeatedly criticized him of. It's, is it immoral for me, he says, to be living in a house that's owned by someone who gets his paycheck from tax money? I currently can't afford to live anywhere else, and I'm saving up money for college and a car. I don't think there's anything immoral about that. I, I think that uh, there are some people, there's a very, very small segment of the liberty movement that has, has, sort of has their nose up in the air about what is and what is not moral. Well, and but they usually drive on public roads and yeah. <laughs> use government sidewalks. Right. Uh, so, you know, and they pay, or they pay rent, and of course that goes yeah. to the property or, or use Federal Reserve notes, which fuels the monetary system we have. Right. So. There's, there's just no way in our world today, with government, with its tentacles in virtually everything, I mean, everything from birth to death, government is involved in some form or fashion. There's no way to, beyond being a total hermit and living in a log cabin in the middle of the woods somewhere, I mean, beyond completely withdrawing from society, there's no way that you can avoid sending money to the government. And if that's somehow immoral, I mean, 
I don't get that position. I don't. I just don't really understand it. It doesn't seem practical at all. And there's certainly, in my opinion, there's nothing unprincipled about driving on government roads or you know doing these things that you have to do to live. Right. And technically, our our voices are traveling in the U.S. anyway. Are traveling over government airwaves. It's considered yeah. public property, and the FCC licenses and regulates it. So right. even this is going out across the country through a, a government controlled medium. Exactly. Uh, right. We've got 33 radio stations taking the show. Would it? Should I do the moral thing and, and just shut down, call all my stations and say, that's it, 30 days, we're done, no more free talk live, we're going internet only? No. <laughs> should, should I do that? Because would that be moral? And why would, why would it be immoral for us to be on a radio station? What exactly is immoral about that? That well, we're endorsing the power structure or something? Well, you're not initiating force against anyone, so I don't really see right. what the... Right. What the deal is with Free Talk that. Live has never initiated force. I personally have never uh, initiated force. And you, our emailer here, Dark Apostrophe, you're not initiating force by living in under a roof that is, happens to be paid for by a bureaucrat. I mean, it's just, it's a sensible thing to do. You're a poor college kid. You're, you actually haven't even gotten into college yet. He's 19 years old. Nick, you're living with your parents. I, I am. I don't think they're bureaucrats. They're not but, bureaucrats. So but no wait, wait, would you might. feel badly about living at their house if they were? No. No, I, I, and you know, I, I don't even necessarily blame. In some more socialized nations, it's even hard to blame people who work for government when that's the only job opportunity there is. I mean, once government gets into, I, I would recommend you try to stay in the private sector. There's sure. more money in it anyway if if you're good at what you do. But in some cases, there's not much job opportunity outside of the government system in some countries. That's just, I mean, that's just the way it is. So you got to do the best you can with the circumstances that are workable. I mean. Even if the emailer wants to move out, um, it's wintertime in Norway. It's not You're not yeah. going to be able to live without, I mean, unless you move in with someone else who gets their money from the private sector. But you're not, it's very difficult to avoid this kind of thing sometimes. Exactly. So I don't think there's anything immoral about it. But if you disagree, we'd love to hear from you at 800-259-9231. You know, there's, just, there's a certain point where you have to participate in the system. It's un- as unfortunate it is, as it might be, I don't think that you should feel wrong about it necessarily. I don't think that you should feel unprincipled. It's not like you're on a welfare check. You know, they're not cutting you. The government's not cutting you a welfare check every single month. Your parents just happened to work for the government. Right. I mean, it's, it, you're not you directly... run away from home at age 12? <laughs> right. You're not directly mooching. You're not taking money from the system. It's just right. the money was spent out of the system, and it's there, and... It bought something and you use it. That's really not... It's so indirect. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't worry about it. 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything uh, on the way here. How to think like a statist. We'll give you some tips. Take your calls about whatever you want. We've got Ziggy in the UK uh, chiming in on this Pakistan situation. In case you haven't heard, someone's been assassinated. We'll uh, explain on the way. It's Free Talk Live. Scientists have discovered a human hormone that increases people's trust in each other oxytocin and for the first time with liquid trust you can harness this power buy liquid trust now at 800-507-3718 or liquidtrustspray.com use code ftl to get free shipping this is free talk live your show you bring up anything toll free at 800-259-9231 that's the SACL CAI toll free line it's Ian here with you and Nick you can join us online at freetalklive.com 
features there. We give away Shrine of Female listeners included with dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photo and prove they listen to the show. Just head over to shrine.freetalklive.com and see what that's all about. That again, shrine.freetalklive.com. Sound money is under attack. The Liberty Dollar offices were raided by the FBI and Secret Service on November 14th. All of its precious metals, computers, and records were seized. Your help is urgently needed. Go to libertydollar.org and sign up for their updates and register for the lawsuit. Don't let the government steal your money and destroy the Liberty Dollar. That's libertydollar.org. Of course, we've been following the Liberty Dollar case ever since uh, that happened. Uh, and we talked about them before that. The, uh, the government stole all their, their uh, precious metals. And we had Bernard von Nothaus on the show shortly after that. Of course, we'll have him back on uh, when he's going to be speaking at the Liberty Forum coming up here within the next two weeks. So looking forward to, to that. Uh, but one of the things that, that uh, he's been doing within the last few weeks is setting up this lawsuit that we've been mentioning and that you're welcome to get involved in. But he's been looking for people to contribute money to the lawsuit because they stole everything. I mean, the feds took all of the company's assets so uh, basically, he's, he's kind of starting from scratch to, to get this going. And one of the things he did was there was someone who donated just a whole bunch of silver liberties, one ounce silver pieces. They're very beautiful. Uh, someone donated them back to the Liberty Dollar organization, essentially. And Bernard has been hallmarking them with a special little ha- little handcuff emblem. And he's been selling them out at 30 bucks um, a piece, which is basically it's a limited edition Sort of, he's calling it the arrest dollar. So basically, it's a collectible. He's he's offering up a collectible Liberty dollar in return for you sending a few bucks into uh, thirty bucks into the lawsuit. And I thought it was a hell of a deal, so I went ahead and sent him thirty bucks, and I got my arrest dollar today. And I must say, it looks nice. Yeah, and you know, if this works out right, it could be. I mean, if they win their case, they can go back into business and keep their assets or be compensated for them. This could actually turn out well for Norfed if they, sure. it, you know, I mean, it's, they've gotten a lot of free advertising in the press. So if if the lawsuit pans out and it doesn't cost too much money, maybe they'll bounce back even bigger. We'll see. You can definitely go and uh, get signed up for the emails at libertydollar.org. We go to your phone calls. Talk to Ziggy in the U.K. Ziggy, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Nick. Hi, guys. Hey there. Um, right, sad day. Um, and the, the consequences could be severe. Okay. Um, you're talking about the assassination of Pakistan opposition leader Benazir Bhutto? Yes. Um, and this could actually tip uh, Pakistan into civil war. Hmm. And let's not forget, Pakistan is a nuclear nation. <clears throat> um, and, you know, Ron Paul's been, been warning for ages that Pakistan is, is a far more dangerous country than Iran. And it is. You know, you, you, you've got the, at least with, with, with Iran, you have a dictatorship which suppresses uh, the likes of al-Qaeda. Here, you have a dictatorship which doesn't have any control. Hmm. And, mean, well, there are, I mean, there are a lot of former Taliban did cross over into, into Pakistan from Afghanistan, and they are still yeah. operating there, so. Yeah, and basically this, this could have, you know, serious ramifications. Yeah, I don't really claim to know much at all about what goes on over in the Middle East. So, I mean, basically, uh, as far as I'm concerned, you're my uh, expert. Now, uh, <laughs> I, I did see some footage. That it looked like there was some rioting um, in the capital. Yeah, so there, has, there has been rioting, and, and really, um, the, the, the authorities, unfortunately, at this point, need to get on top of it. Um, uh, has, the, has the army reacted in any way? I mean, Not I, yet, which is surprising. 
Are they? Cra- well, are they doesn't, doesn't mind using the, the army. But are they are they cracking down or are they siding with the opposition? Because I I know in Pakistan historically the army has kind of directed the civilian government. Yeah. Um, well, we haven't had any news yet. I mean, I've heard there's been rioting, but that's about it. Um, hmm. I guess it's going to take a few days of the dust to settle. I guess. All I know is that uh, there's money that's being sent, taxpayer, U.S. taxpayer yeah. dollars are being sent to Pakistan, and that needs to stop. In fact, yeah. all of the foreign aid needs to stop. It just needs to stop to all of the countries around the world. Especially, uh, it needs to stop to Israel, um, because that, that's the main reason Al-Qaeda have been taunting America. Um, is, is, the, is the support of, uh, of Israel. I know. I think that uh, Osama bin Laden has cited a few things, but it's, gener- it's generally the meddling in the Middle East. I mean, it's not, maybe not yeah. just uh, Israel, but also Saudi Arabia and uh, you know, other forms of aid, USA dollars being sent over there, dollars and weapons, and, uh, and of course the CIA meddling around uh, as well has not been helpful. So I think there's probably a variety of reasons, but they all stem from the U.S.'s involvement in that region. Yeah. Exactly, and, and, and the British, you know, meddling there as well. Yeah, it all needs to um, end, but unfortunately, uh, I don't think anyone's listening to us, Siggy. <laughs> Basically, I heard a liberal say the other day, and this is, this is, you know, the liberals like to say, oh, we believe in a humane foreign policy. So exactly the same thing as I've heard Neocon saying, that, well, we need a presence in the Middle East to secure our oil supply. Yeah, I don't understand that. I just don't. Well, get you know, it. why can't why can't people get it through their head? Even if the fundamentalists had control of Saudi Arabia, they still need to sell the oil to somebody to make ends meet. Yeah. Because that's all Saudi Arabia has to offer. Here's a radical idea. Why don't we buy the oil from them? Right. There's plenty of places you can buy oil from around the world, and if the oil companies want protection, they should hire their own protection instead of instead of yeah. having the taxpayers subsidize it. Because essentially, you know, what are you guys paying for for gas over there in the UK right now? Uh, oh boy, I don't drive. Um, it, it's it's a lot higher than it is in the states. Well, right, a because our prices are subsidized. Because essentially, we're not really paying the accurate price at the pump because of all of the uh, in the you know the billions of dollars taxpayer dollars that are being pumped into that region. Well, our gas is subsidized, and also I believe in the UK, a large percentage of the gas price is also taxes. Tax. Sure, a much yeah, higher percentage than ours. Percent tax on 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 on, um, on petrol, and this is what's even even more stupid: biodiesel's taxed. You know, the government says well, we've got to be more environmentally friendly, and right. then they go and tax a renewable energy. Sure. Well, they don't care uh, about you know, it. They don't really care about saving the environment. They just care about money lining their yeah, pockets. Exactly. We all know that. that, 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 that basically, that, that showed their, their, their cards, you know? Yep, sure does, Siggy. Be- before before yeah. I go, I've got, I got a joke for you. A drug? Uh, no, a joke. Oh, a joke. Okay. Yeah. I'll take what's either my, one. What's, <laughs> what's the most common thing uh, philosophy graduates say in the UK? The most common? Yeah. I don't know. You want fries with that Big Mac? <laughs> Thanks for the call, man. Appreciate it. 800-259-9231. Uh, we go to John in Salem, New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Nick. Good evening, folks. Hey, John. What's on your mind, sir? Uh, you mentioned the folks uh, who are against entirely against politicking. Yes. That sort of stuff, and you referred to them as having their nose up in the air. Mm, these and, uh, uh, these individuals who uh, will claim that, that that anybody who engages in any sort of politics uh, or in any sort of support of the political system or candidates or whatever are immoral in their mind. Yeah, well, the thing is, I'm probably a little closer philosophically to them, but I'm not I'm not I'm not pure at all. 
And uh, so just so they know that if they're listening, uh, I, I actually lean towards their direction a little bit more. But Me too. I don't think they're so pure. They, they may, mo- may be mo- more pure than I. And the argument that I often hear about the roads is that, well, they don't have a choice. They have to get from one place to another. And what has occurred to me fairly recently was, okay, we've heard that argument a bunch of times. How about this for an argument? Do you folks use the post office, and is that necessary? Yeah, I don't imagine that uh, no. that they're going to take every single envelope that they might send and send it with a $10, you know, track it, trackable UPS ground shipping. Right. And now I'm not trying to cause any hard feelings with this. I'm just trying to cause them to you know, give, give a little bit of thought. To, you know, don't give people a hard time. They know that I... I'm closely uh, with them on this issue, but you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of room in the middle there. You know, it really and, uh, just seems to be more of a uh, an intellectual uh, spat more than anything else. It doesn't seem to really be affecting anyone's real life connections. It just seems to this this controversy of you know, are you immoral for participating in politics? Only really seems to exist on the on the internet right now, and well, I think maybe, that's a good thing. Maybe if I bring up this issue um, about the post office, they can help to find an even better solution than than uh, you know the the road issue where it's. You know, it's necessary for us to go from one place to another. Very good, John. Okay, fine. Thank, and you. Thank you for the call, sir. 800-259-9231. Free Talk Live. You take control. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Nick. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features we give away. If you like the show, you want to help support Free Talk Live, then go shopping at amazon.freetalklive.com. When you enter Amazon through that link, Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. So uh, go ahead and get all your shopping done. Get what you need for life, whether it be used or new in 41 categories. Uh, Get your shopping done. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live will get a cut. So uh, we just got off the phone with John in Salem, New Hampshire, talking about sort of this elitist mentality that has been slowly spreading through some of the individuals in the the liberty movement. And if you listen to the show before, you know that uh, we're unabashed libertarians on Free Talk Live. Uh, we we love freedom. We think that uh, in in general, there's very little that the government can do that's worthwhile. I happen to want to get rid of it entirely. Nick, you're somebody that wants to keep it around for a very bare minimum sort of janitorial uh, purpose, if you will, just taking care of a few few things like roads and what? Well, roads... Uh, uh, you know roads are um, In principle, no. I think we should work <laughs> towards that. I don't know if we can do it overnight, but right. I'm basically a defense um, and justice system. I, what I think we basically need to got it to make do. So, so you know, generally uh, we're very pro liberty show, and when we get on the air and we start talking about things that are exciting to us, like well, I don't know, the Ron Paul campaign. We started out by talking about that at the beginning of this hour, uh, because Ron Paul and what the example I used was that he's been telling the truth about Abraham Lincoln on the national news media, and people getting very upset about that. I mean, essentially what Ron Paul's doing is he's being an iconoclastic presidential candidate. He's shattering all kinds of myths and illusions, and that's, that to me is very valuable. 
I think it's wonderful that he's out there doing that and not, you know, I think he maybe backs down on a few issues, but in general, he's very, very forthcoming with his pro-liberty viewpoint. And it's, I think it's a healthy thing, but yet we get criticized, Nick, for even talking about him. There are some people that say that, you know, we're unprincipled for even discussing Ron Paul well, or lending any support to him. Well, as we just heard in that email, we now have an anarcho-capitalist, another one in the world, who found out about libertarianism right. through Ron Paul and went from socialism to anarcho-capitalism. So I, I have never bought the argument that Ron Paul's campaign is going to destroy Damage. the libertarian right. movement. Some people say it's going to co-opt it into this sort of Republican. So I don't, I don't think it, that's where it's going at I, all. I see where their concern is coming from. I think that the, some of the people that are, uh, that are principled, you know, voluntarists or free marketeers, people that have rejected the government entirely, I think some of them look back at their history and they say, and they, they look back at however many years it's been. For me, it took seven years for me to get to where I am today, to slowly move through, you know, move down the path to liberty and, and reject the state and reject the government and, in various different ways and, and finally really come to understand principle and come to understand the concepts that we talk about on this show. So I think that a lot of them look back and, you know, they've been at it for 7, 10, 15, 20 years. You know, many of them, it took a couple of decades to get to where they are today. And I think they look back at that and they're frustrated. You know, they would have loved to have found some sort of instant panacea, some sort of cure that would uh, that would just take them from socialist instantaneously to, you know, free marketeer or voluntarist, anarcho-capitalist, whatever you want to talk about. So from go to socialist to pure libertarian in one single step. I think that they envision that there should be something like that, that they are frustrated that there isn't, that they want to get people here as soon as they possibly can, here that is to, to our mentality, as soon as they possibly can, and, and it bothers them that there might be some stumbling blocks around, you know, on the road there for other people. And I understand that frustration, but I think it's something that most people have to go through. Should there be, you know, some sort of magical thing, you know, uh, some some sort of radio show that you can turn people on to or, or a DVD that they can watch that will just instantaneously convert them? Sure, it'd be nice. I don't think that exists, though, because I think that if you take someone with a statist mentality, a pro-government mentality, and you instantly expose them to a true, pure libertarian uh, thought process, that they will reject it, that they won't, even, they won't even consider it as reasonable at all, and I think that there has to be some steps in between there. At right. least that's how it worked for me. <laughs> right. I don't think people completely change their worldview overnight. It, it happens very – every once in a while you'll hear of someone who does maybe in politics or a religious conversion, but it's very rare. Most people come to their worldview over a number of years, and they gradually right. figure out what they think about things. Can we accelerate the process? Yes, I think so. I think that the Internet is going to be the major factor in that acceleration, and certainly the Internet is going to help expose people to a wider variety of opinions and a wider variety of, uh, of viewpoints, especially in the, the libertarian movement as well. Whereas before, you know, 20 years ago, you would have to happen to know someone who was a libertarian who happened to tell you about liberty, and you would have to be somehow interested in it and go and, you know, do your own study by finding the books that someone might have recommended that you find. And that's a long process just on its own. All of that's been cut out today by the Internet. Now you can, you literally can just stumble onto something like the Ron Paul campaign and have your, you know, have your, um, 
your concepts challenged, have your uh, paradigm shifted a little bit, not all at once, but slowly. And I think that's valuable. And so I think what Ron Paul's campaign is doing is valuable in that he's that sort of beacon of liberty out there. Yes, he's not 100% libertarian. He's not, you know, a purist. Okay, I understand that. But it's something. It's something to shake people from their, uh, from their sleep, if well, you will. And if you want, it would be a market improvement. I, I think most libertarians would take a Ron Paul administration over any of the other guys oh, I in think a heartbeat. So. Um, I actually, I think part of the bitterness and resentment there comes from guys who have been in the LP for many, many years, and they're seeing the Ron Paul campaign do more than the LP's than ever the LP done has in 30 done, years. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's the LP has tried to run campaigns that'll get people to think, and they just, because of the two-party system and other factors, uh, namely because they don't really pick very electable people, um, <laughs> they don't get far enough along to have anybody actually take a look at them. And I think there is some resentment about that, that a re- somebody running as a Republican ha- has managed to bring more people to liberty probably than the last number of LP campaigns. I think you're probably right about that, but I think that's silly. I think that sort of level of resentment it, for that reason is, is sort of – it's political-based. It's, it's well, party-based. Like, well, our party's been working hard for 30 years, and we should have, we should have our candidate getting attention like Ron Paul is. But I well, think it doesn't un- work that I way. I think it's understandable, though, because <laughs> when you go into the LP, it's usually because you're disgusted with the Republicans and the Democrats, mm-hmm. and you think everyone else is offering pretty much the same statism. And the LP is the only thing that offers something different. And 99.9% of the time that's true, but you have to be open-minded enough to remember that every once in a while there'll be a Republican like Ron Paul who is actually talking about getting back to the Constitution, getting closer (laughs) to a true libertarian country. And you have to remember that just because they have an R next to their name doesn't mean they believe the same things as other Republicans. Right. And I think that um, anybody that's feeling that way should really look at... It may seem on the on the surface that the Libertarian Party has only just barely had an effect in in interna- in uh, the national politics, and that might be true as far as voting voting totals and that sort of thing are concerned. But there's there's an also an incalculable um, level of effect that they've had in that the different campaigns over the years, Harry Brown, Michael Badnarik, uh, Ron Paul in 1988, all of these different Libertarian campaigns have been effective in that they have helped bring people into the liberty movement. Many of those people are now active with the Ron Paul campaign because it's very clear to anybody that's paying attention that he's the best chance, at at least politically, uh, that liberty activists have had ever. And so it it totally makes sense that they're focusing there. But I think that you know the, the Libertarian Party's contribution has not been for naught. I think there have been a lot of people that have been brought into the movement as a result of their uh, their campaigns, and I'm one of them. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think without an active LP, I don't think we would have half the... I mean, we wouldn't have much of a libertarian movement. It right. would be a handful of intellectuals. I, I mean, America, more, or the United States more so than most other places in the world, does actually have a libertarian movement. Uh, you know, one that's somewhat viable. Yeah. And, it, and many people in, in Europe I know say they don't know of any libertarians. There's just Those ideas aren't floating around. And I think without the LP, um, we'd be much more like a lot of countries in Europe. We wouldn't have that viewpoint out there. In It's pretty much almost a mainstream viewpoint. The word will come up anyway. 
Right, and at the same time, I, I also understand the frustration a lot of people have with the uh, the Libertarian Party. I'm one of those people. I used to be a contributor, not anymore. I haven't been for years because, in my opinion, they, they have strayed from their original purpose, and that was to be the party of principle, the party that, you know, to join, you had to reject the initiation of force uh, for political and social goals, and it just seems like... Again, it's politics, so these things happen, and that's why politics is dirty and despicable. But they've been essentially hijacked by a, a group of unprincipled individuals that wants to sort of water down the libertarian message. And I, as a as somebody who is principled, I can I consider that offensive, and so I've withdrawn my support from the party. I think that's sad. Um, but more on the way, you can take control. Uh, we'll talk about uh, how to think like a statist and take your calls about anything. Hour two's coming up. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into hour number two of the program. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. On the way, we'll talk about toads, believe it or not. What could that have to anything to do with anything important? Well, you'll find out. But first, from Yearning to Breathe Free at Blogspot, little uh, a few thoughts from a blogger on how to think like a statist. Now, Nick, what is a statist? Uh, it's somebody who believes in a very maximal role for government, basically the opposite of a free market or a, a libertarian society. Right, that we can't have this market out there just operating. We need to have people that know what they're doing. Government central planners deciding everything. They need to be micromanaging business. They need to be micromanaging your personal life. They need to be telling you what to do. That sort of thing. Where this, you know, whether it's economic or, or, or personal freedom issues, the statist believes the government knows best. Right. Right. And the perfect example would probably be Stalin, as close to a perfect example as we've had in a while, um, which he basically controlled everything about people's lives, a state that has almost absolute power. And it doesn't really matter whether you call it communism or fascism, that that's the epitome of statism. Our but there blog- are softer forms, too. <laughs> Our blogger says, I tell you being an advocate for sound economics is not easy, despite the fact that the free market can provide a million billion empirical examples that it's a superior engine of progress for civilization, generating wealth, improving technology, and promoting peaceful interaction, among otherwise opposing groups of the human family. It's really shocking to see the tenacity with which statists will cling to their fantasies that we need the state to provide a firm foundation for society. The state is a contradiction. It is violence. It is theft. It claims it exists to protect ordinary people from violence and theft, but fundamentally it exists by these two things. And that's the, just the, the great paradox of the government. It's suggested, and the, the whole purpose of government is supposedly to keep you safe, from, from, to protect your property and to protect your life. But in order to do those things, they threaten your property and they threaten your life. Right. I mean, especially in our, our Lockean theory that we have in this country and to some extent in Britain, that was the idea that government would protect our freedom um, by taking our freedom away, which is a paradox. Um, but there are some parts of the world where I think people are more honest about what government is. They, they'll like talk North about, Korea? Like North Korea or many places in the Arab world. They, they'll say that, it, and some people even like it, they'll say that it provides order, mm. but not necessarily safety and freedom. It just provides order. 
Yeah, and I don't know if it really provides order. I well, think it's, it's more of an illusion. Well, there, there's the perception out there that um, a free market wouldn't allow for that kind of order. And really what that amounts to is there are lots of little bands of people who would like to be a government, like um, like Muslim extremists mm-hmm. or just any rebel group in certain parts of the world. Um, the only reason that you need a state there, well, you don't really need it, but the, the state can claim that you need them there to keep these rebel groups down. To but prevent the, rebel the worst groups, people from uh, getting in right, charge. Right, but they're usually equally as bad. Says, as I've thought about it, I've come to realize there are two bedrock principles upon which statists will base 99% of their arguments, and they are as follows. First, an eco- as an economic principle, monopoly is more efficient than competition. This is what the statist believes. Uh, free competition among different suppliers of goods and services does not lead to innovation, greater output, higher quality, and lower prices. Instead, a competitive marketplace leads to a severe restriction of goods, affordable only to the super-rich, while ordinary people, the poor, go without. We've seen, uh, we've we've actually heard comments to this effect. Uh, there was a John Stossel special on education that came out. I think it was this year, which highly recommend. Uh, what was it? I don't remember what it was called, though. Unfortunately, is stupid in America. Stupid, stupid in America, where one of the teachers' union members was just aghast at the idea of bringing competition into education. She said that competition doesn't belong in education. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Well, the unions don't like the idea of merit-based pay, even within a public school system. Right, the they like that, the idea of, if you've been there a while, a while, you get paid more, right? Right, the idea that a teacher who gets good results gets paid more is absurd to them. Right, which this mentality has actually managed to infect their students. I'm not sure how this happens exactly, but uh, Julia, my girlfriend, works at a, a restaurant, and a lot of these kids that are coming in, 17, 18, 19 years old, their first job, uh, they believe, they have this mentality that, well, you know, I've been here longer, so I deserve more, ra- you know, a bigger raise than that other guy who's brand new, even though the other guy is actually, do- you know, following policy, and the other guy's doing what the store managers want, and the kids that think they deserve a big raise are slacking off. So they've, they've been trained to believe that length of time served somehow should translate into more money made, and it's just not how it works well in the, the workplace will teach them a, a different lesson oh it is yeah they're definitely being taught the uh, the correct lesson here but it just really goes to show how uh effective the government schools are at, at indoctrinating these kids anyway he says uh that's what they believe uh excuse me actually what he says is that uh, monopoly again they believe monopoly is more efficient than competition empirically it's laughable yet it's the argument they like to use when arguing that without a government people on the lowest rung of the economic ladder would then be vulnerable to predation by robbers murderers rapists and other thugs they fail to explain what exactly is so magical about the provision of security that it's exempt from the basic laws of economics yet that's what they believe And their solution to protecting these people from theft and violence is to establish a monopoly organization for these services, which derives its revenues by theft and threats of violence for not paying the extortionary protection money. Now, they don't call it protection money. When you you open an envelope and it says property taxes on the top of it, it doesn't say, this is a threat. You know, this is extortion. We are, uh, you pay this or else. Now, you do sort. There is an or else in there, and that you know, if you don't pay, they're going to charge you twelve percent interest or or whatever. But it, it is a threat. I mean, it's not so explicit a threat, but that's what it is. Uh, I I can make the case um, why security, at least defense, and I believe the justice system differ in my opinion, and that's largely because the provision of security is the provision of men with guns. And when you get rid of a government, um, theoretically, an anarcho-capitalist system, completely anarcho-capitalist, would work. 
Um, but that's if everybody plays by the rules and everybody's committed to liberty. Um, if you have large segments of the population who aren't and you have people who mafiosos, other thugs, mm-hmm. then you just get new governments. They might not be as organized, but that's the argument. And I, I think that holds... Ma- yeah, but the mafia my- doesn't have the, uh, the, the aura of legitimacy around it. So well, if the mafia wants to go around and threaten people, then there's no prohibition on retaliation in that particular case. There's not until they assume 100% market share and become a government. I mean, the difference between mafiosos... Yeah, but how mafiosos, do they go about doing that? I, like Again, we go- would have to have a paradigm shift in order to get to the anarcho-capitalist ideal in the first right. place. So, yes, uh, it takes a lot of education. He says the second principle of status is they believe, they really, truly believe, that nobody, except for the status who happens to be speaking, actually wants roads. But it takes far-seeing politicians to force us to have them. If we all had our way, we'd run outside right now, rip up the pavement in front of our homes and businesses, and throw the rubble in a ditch somewhere. We'd all prefer to ride horses to work through ten-foot-high uh, ten snowdrifts because, well, I'm not sure why. But we need politicians who know better than us that it would be better to have roads and cars because ordinary people just don't get it. So the argument goes, because roads lead to improved logistical possibilities for an economy, that we need the state to steal half of our income, tell us where we can smoke, interfere with our medical uh, decisions, and wage war on dark-skinned non-Christians in third-world countries halfway around the world. Without the state doing these things, we'll all be trapped in our homes, unable to get food and supplies to live, according to them. The question... Uh, to question the need for the state because it promotes some of the most horrendous things humankind is capable of is to advocate the abolition of all material property and return to living in caves or mud huts. And this, too, is completely absurd. The failing here intellectually is that, like the monopoly argument above, they fail to understand the most basic mechanics of how marketplaces work. They ask, well, who will pay to have the road built? or some variant on the question about how scarce resources get allocated in an economy. It never occurs to them to rephrase the question and substitute something else for roads. Who pays for that McDonald's to be built? Who pays to have those cell phone towers built? Well, the entrepreneur, that's who. Someone who's in search of profit. Someone who's willing to risk his money up front for the chance that he might be able to make more down the line. Someone, and this is, again, something statists, big government people, they just don't understand. They're not of that entrepreneurial mindset. Someone who surveys the current structure of the economy and assesses a need for certain goods or visions in a certain area, then marshals the needed resources to implement his vision. In both cases, the statist fails to grasp basic economic principles, and his entire worldview is informed by the outmoded and false assumptions of socialism. It's an error made by many people, so it's not completely unexpected, but it can be tiring sometimes to have to run over the same old, worn-out arguments. But we do it six nights a week here on Free Talk Live, and we'll take your calls about anything. Maury's on the line in New Hampshire, and this is your show. It's Free Talk Live. Bring up what you want. This is Free Talk Live, your show. Bring up anything toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features for free. If you've missed a moment of the show, go and grab them up for free online at freetalklive.com. We've got archives going back an entire year, uh, all there for you for free, freetalklive.com. Carla Howell is the head of the Center for Small Government. Tom Cryer is known as the man who beat the IRS in court. Bob Schultz is the chairman of the We the People Foundation. And Ron Paul will eliminate the IRS if elected. 
All of them are working to end the income tax, and all will be at the Liberty Forum. Where will you be? Register now at freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. That's freestateproject.org slash libertyforum, and use the code 2008FTL to save 10%. That again, 2008FTL, it's all one word, it'll save you 10%. Really looking forward to the Liberty Forum coming up here in a matter of days. Uh, again, it's j- January 3rd through the 6th. Free Talk Live will be broadcasting every single night, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So looking forward to meeting you if you're going to be there. I know, Nick, you're going to be coming out for at least two or three of the days, right? Yeah, I'll be there Friday and Saturday. Very yeah. cool. So uh, once again, that's freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum. We go right into the phone calls and talk to Maury in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Maury? Hi, Ian. Hey there. I, uh, I just... um. Caught the uh, 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 last little bit of you guys talking about the LP earlier. Libertarian and, uh, Party, yes. We, we have to remember that there are people uh, listening that don't necessarily know all the acronyms. Right. Sorry about that. Okay. Right. The, uh, the Libertarian Party, and you are absolutely correct, it was hijacked um, at the last convention in Portland. I think it's been going on for, for longer than that, though. I, I feel like it's been going on longer because I remember... I think it was like back in 2002 when they took a plank out of their platform. The the Libertarian Party used to call for the abolition of the CIA and the FBI, and then they inexplicably removed that from their platform. And I just said, you know, this isn't the party I joined. Uh, and and I at that point I uh, sent them a letter saying that I was going to withhold any future uh, contributions until they they found their principles again. So I think it's been going on a little longer than that. But yes. Wow. Wow. Okay. I I didn't know about that one, but um, but. But you're right. But this, but this was a major massacre. This was 80% of our positions just wiped out. And um, you what know, happened, Maury? I mean, g- just to give our listeners a little bit of background, what happened there? Why do you think that uh, went the way it did? Um, well, it was a there's, a. there's a number of theories. I mean, it was a very small convention. It was like less than half the size of the previous convention. Um, it was out in. It was way out on on. on um, you know, in the Northwest, it was in Portland, um, which made it difficult for a lot of the stalwarts and you know a lot of the um, a lot of the longstanding party members to get to. Um, and uh, so, you know, that low turnout uh, combined with um, with with uh, some really strong organization on the on the part of the um, the um, I don't know what to call them. They call themselves the Reform Caucus. Um, the infiltrators, but, uh, the infiltrators, agents, provocateur. Yes, exactly. Yes, they. Uh, they were very organized. Uh, they did direct mail. They had a, they had their people there, and um, um, you know, so I I, uh, I give them credit there. But um, but we're looking to take it back this year. Hmm. And um, there's in uh, in May we're uh, there's going to be another convention. It, this time it's in Denver, um, which is much more accessible, and it's got the attention of. You know, people like David Nolan, David Berglund. These are some um, of the uh, the names you're mentioning. David Nolan was the original founder, uh, one of the original founders of the Libertarian Party. That's right, and and David Berglund has done numerous things. He's been a, a he's been a presidential candidate. He's been a, a VP. He's been uh, he's been the chair, um, uh, and a lot of other names that um, that that you'll recognize um, if you go to this website I'm about to give you. So. Okay. What, I, what I'd like to just ask is that your listeners, if they care about um, about the LP, if um, they want to restore principle to the platform, that they please um, renew their membership in the LP, first of all, sign the, p- the petition, which is up at restore04.com, now, and if at all possible, make plans to be there. So, 
so now, as I understand it, uh, the Libertarian Party, as of within the last few years, one of the, the more correct, I think, uh, good decisions they've made was to eliminate the membership fee. So in order to be a member, you don't actually have to, to pay the party, right? That was actually rescinded. Was it? Um, yeah, yeah. That, didn't la- that only lasted a few months. Um, basically, the party was, um, was um, uh, quickly approaching... Uh, destitution. So um, uh, that that. So last. basically, you have to uh, basically you have to send these guys money in order to uh, be a member again, so you can hopefully go to the convention and try to outvote the uh, the reformers, the people that want to make the Libertarian Party more uh, a bigger tent. Which is the translation of that means that they support more government uh, and less less principle. Uh, that's that's a sticky position to take, uh, though I can. I, I know. You know, I I really I still have a little warm spot in my heart for the Libertarian Party. I certainly, you know, if there were candidates in my area, I'd vote for them. Uh, if they were doing something, I I would probably volunteer to help them out because they're still. I think generally they're still doing good things. It's just that this is the kind of crap that has uh, that has just driven me away from the the world of politics because th- I mean so much time and effort is spent on this essentially this wrangling over the the political party's platform people will spend hours and hours uh, of effort uh, trying to wrest the party back under their control so it can finally you know be back to the way they believe it should be but they're constantly fighting against a group of people that's just as dedicated to uh, to watering down the party and diluting it and it's just it just seems like such a waste of time am i alone on this nick um, I, I think the infighting is a waste of time, um, but I think the LP is valuable enough, um, and I was upset enough about the purge that I, the Portland purge, that I think, um, I, I think enough other people in the party were upset that it'll probably be taken back at this convention. Uh, that's, that's my I, I hope so. But I really do. It is an unfortunate waste of time to yeah. spend that much time fighting within the party instead of trying to get the message out there. Yep. Right. Yeah, and I, I hear you. And I mean, I, I know it's 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 the last thing in the world I'd I'd like to spend my my free time doing. But um, I think the LP is worth fighting for. And um, you know, you can join at the state level. You don't have to join as a national member to be a delegate. So now I thought I'd heard some buzz that New Hampshire at one point, at least there were some people who were saying um, New Hampshire should break away from the national party and call itself the Liberty Party or something, not the um, Libertarian Party. There's a history of turmoil there, um, of disputes between between national and um, and New Hampshire. Um, some of it, I think, is justified, and others is is kind of silly. But but at the moment, at the moment, um, the relationship is 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 reasonably stable. Well, Maury, I hope you'll keep us informed on this, and you know, get, let us know what happens because I'm probably not going to be going to the Libertarian Party's convention. But hopefully, you can you've convinced some other people to get involved. What was this, the website again? The website is restore04.com. That's restore04.com. If you want to help get the Libertarian Party back to principle, uh, if you feel like it's worth your while to go and do that, I know that, uh, again, Maury, you wish you could spend your time doing other things, but unfortunately these people that have hijacked the Libertarian Party have uh, gone and made life very difficult, which is one of the reasons why I was just completely turned off to uh, to politics in general, because I went, to, uh, I, I joined the Libertarian Party thinking that the, you know this was a way to make a difference, and then all I saw at the party meetings was just this 
was bickering and infighting, and nothing ever got done. If I wanted something to get done, I had to go out and do it myself, which, of course, is what I did, and as a result, I had some success. It's just so frustrating, the world of politics. And, uh, Maury, keep us informed, all right? Thank you for the call, dude. Appreciate it, and good luck with that uh, campaign. Because, again, I do still have a warm spot for the LP, and I hope they're successful with this. More on the way. This is your show. Bring up what you want. It's Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. Talk Live. It's your show, and you can go whatever's, uh, with whatever's on your mind at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features we give away, and uh, those include the wiki with over 1,500 pages created by listeners like you. And apparently somebody emailed me to say that there have been some vandalization on my wiki page, and it's pretty funny stuff. So you can vandalize the wiki, too, if you want to. Have fun with it. Uh, Wiki.freetalklive.com. I guess someone thought I would care, but I don't. It's just a wiki page. Yeah. So once again, wiki.freetalklive.com is like the listener editable version of our website. And now you can save time and money on common legal matters. Created by top attorneys, LegalZoom.com helps you create reliable legal documents like your will or living trust in minutes. LegalZoom.com. Use code FTL to save 10%. Then again, LegalZoom.com. We go to the AMP line. Lauren Canario is on the line in New Hampshire. Hello, Lauren. Hi, how you doing? Super. What's on your mind? I was just uh, listening to Maury, uh, last caller who was complaining about how uh, the... Uh, Political party, the Libertarian political party, got taken over by people of, that didn't have very high principles, and that, that was your turnoff too. That uh, you stopped giving money to them because they stopped having principles. Yes, indeed, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. And uh, I was just thinking, that, you know, if uh, that's your political party, that's a political party that's closest to what our ideals of freedom are. Is uh, we don't need it. <laughs> so what so, are you suggesting? So I would say work outside the political parties because, as uh, you, you sort of admitted and, and Maury did, that they're just kind of a waste of time and don't get very much done. And uh, just work to improve your own life to, to make freedom in your own life. And uh, Maury also sounded like he was kind of you know, unhappy in having to work at getting the, the Libertarian Party back the way he wanted it. Yeah. And I'm going, ah, dude, just... Don't uh, do things with your life that you hate because, you know, life is kind of short. Do things that you love. Yeah, I don't really see any reason to spend any time uh, trying to rescue the National Libertarian Party. I don't really even I don't even know anything about the New Hampshire Libertarian Party. I haven't even bothered to uh, you know to look into it since I've moved up here because I'm just so uninterested in getting involved in you know politics. Now that's not to say I'm completely uninvolved. I mean I like Ron Paul and uh, I, I I'm certainly promoting his campaign on my radio show. And as you know, Lauren, uh, my girlfriend Julia ran for city council here in Keene, but we didn't have to get involved in political parties to do that stuff. That, that makes it a little easier, yeah. 
So you've had some success out with outside of the system activism, and you're definitely somebody who who walks the walk. I mean, you're out there doing what you think is right, uh, working at uh, liberty from from your viewpoint and approaching it in uh, you know the way that uh, that works best for you. And you don't have to ask anybody's permission to go and and do things. You don't have to get a majority of delegates uh, to vote in your favor if you want to take action. Yeah, well, just if there's something that I think needs. Uh speaking up against or, you know, sitting down against or what have you. I just do it. Um, we don't need um, a thousand people behind me. I, we only need one so far. It seems to get uh, a lot of uh, people focused on the uh, the issue. I have to say, and of course I've said it before, uh, but the, I think that the, the activism, the outside-the-system stuff is far more exciting and far more interesting than some of the political stuff that's been going on, especially here in New Hampshire. And, of course, some of the things you've done, Lauren, are, are perfect examples of that. I think that if there was more of it going on, it would be even more powerful uh, than it already is. And I, I firmly believe that it's really the, the outside-the-system stuff is going to really be the key to uh, to really achieving liberty in our lifetimes. That's not to say that I don't think politics has some level of value. While I find it despicable and disgusting in general, I still think that uh, that we can leverage the political system in order to help spread our message of, of freedom, which is, I think, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think is that why you have found yourself somewhat, uh, to some extent supporting the Ron Paul campaign? To some extent, yeah. I just couldn't help myself, uh, even though I don't think... Uh the the efficiency of it is going to be anything that people are hoping for. But uh, I do invite everyone to try, you know, protesting, try holding a camera on a policeman once in a while. It's, yeah. it's really, really fun. And you like you, when you see uh, Russell protesting, uh, you see him smiling all the time. And uh, Dave uh, Ridley, he's always uh, really grinning when he's doing his uh his uh, activities. Right, Dave Ridley uh, from RidleyReport.com, uh, one of our new advertisers at uh, FreeTalkLive.com, and uh, Russell Canning, of course, another one of the civil disobedience activists here in New Hampshire and the publisher of the Keen Free Press. Uh, I, again, totally think that more people need to take this particular tact because it's far more powerful than any political action. And you don't have to wait around. You know, you don't have to, uh, to go to de- conventions and vote as delegates to try to change the party platform and then two years later run a campaign. Candidate. You don't have to wait four years to, to actually do anything. Uh, you can, and, and that's not to say the libertarian people don't do anything in the in the meantime. Certainly, there's some outreach outreach that can be done, but generally they focus around the elections. And it's just there's lots we can do outside of the political seasons. And uh, and I really, you should be applauded, Lauren, for for helping lead the charge in that way. Yeah, just uh, try it sometime. It's really fun. Better yet, come on up here and uh, meet Lauren, and uh, you can get some tips from her. And uh, I just think that uh, there's an amazing group of people here in New Hampshire, and, and, and we are having fun, and that really is the most important part. Lauren, any other thoughts tonight? Uh, none that I can remember. Great call. Thanks for it. Bye. 800-259-9231. You were kind of silent during that, Nick. Any other thoughts? Uh, no, no, I think she has a point. I think a lot of times um, outside the system gets a point across a lot more directly. Um, I think there are constructive and not constructive ways to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you, I think you have to be, if you actually want to uh, affect um, the overall system, um, I think you have to be you have to choose when you make your your points and make your stands. Um, but I think she has a point. I see more of a role for politics probably than Lauren, um, and maybe more than you. Uh, but I think that outside the system, civil disobedience. Um, 
helps direct that a lot better, and I think that's needed. I don't think just going um, going to conventions and voting in the primaries is going to get us where we want to be right. anytime soon. Before you know it, you know, 30 years have gone by and nothing's happened. Well, that's what's happened up to this point. <laughs> right. So, so uh, and, and by the way, you know, what other examples of civil disobedience, at least from a, from a pro-liberty perspective, can you point to that's happening anywhere outside of New Hampshire? Um, not many. Civil disobedience isn't practiced very often. Right. And um, I think that's a problem. Oh, I, I think, think it is, too. I think that we've seen some amazing results from just a few instances that, that is where it has happened here in New Hampshire. If it were to be happening more often in more places, I think there would be some amazing things that would, uh, would occur as a result. Well, civil disobedience illustrates better than just an intellectual discussion how the state is forced. When you drive without yeah. a driver's license and you're thrown in jail. Or uh, it, do a, a, a nail filing out in front of uh, you, get you know, with no license. Right. You get arrested for that. That demonstrates how the state is forced to most people. And then they go, well, we should change that. And do you change it with more civil disobedience or through politics? That's a question for the individual to decide. But but I think civil disobedience does bring people to the realization that the state is force and that we need to change that. You know, one of the other things, uh, just since we were sort of talking about the Libertarian Party and how ineffective they are, I think in a lot of cases the Libertarian Party's candidates, I think they reach a little too far. I'm not, that's not to say that there's not a value in running a Libertarian presidential candidate because, again, they'll get some attention uh, and a little bit of media coverage, which will help expose people to the message. So I can see some value in that. But generally, I think a lot of their candidates run for offices that are a little bit too big for their britches, if you will. I think you know, going for, for U.S. House or U.S. Senate is a little too much. I think maybe focusing your resources on a smaller seat like a city council or something like that is far more of an attainable goal. And in fact, Libertarians have been elected to city council positions around the country. Not a whole lot of them. I think there may have been. Has there ever been a state rep? I think one or two may have made it through at some point here or there. State rep or a U.S. rep? State rep. State rep Don Gorman in New Hampshire. Oh, that's right. That's right. I mean, only a couple. I think you're much better to focus locally and at your state level um, than focusing nationally. They just you have to build a base, and they don't have the base. They don't have the foundation like the major parties do with a moneyed foundation to get them there. Which is why I don't even. Understand the the whole idea of focusing on the National Libertarian Party. I find that to be, you know, almost a completely worthless organization. More on the way. 800-259-9231. Angel in uh, California. You can bring up whatever's on your mind if you dial in toll-free. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. Talk Live, it is your show. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Features for free. If you like the show, you want to help support Free Talk Live, become an amplifier. Go to amp.freetalklive.com. Amp stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. And the idea is you send in three bucks a month. Completely voluntary. You know the website's free, so it's above and beyond all that. Uh, And we'll take that money in and turn it around into getting the show on more radio stations, thereby spreading the message of freedom and liberty as far and as wide as possible. So, once again, head over to amp.freetalklive.com, learn more about it, learn about the perks you get, like access to the amp-only call-in line, which uh, Lauren was on a few moments ago, uh, as well as the amp chat room and the amp-only forum. All the details at amp.freetalklive.com. Let's go into the phones and talk to Angel at KCAA in California. Hello, Angel. Hey, Ian. Happy holidays. How are you today? Hey, dude. Doing great. What's on your mind tonight? 
Oh, well, I heard you coming out of the first break, I believe. You're talking about um, Freedom uh, Liberty Meeting, I think, with uh, Tom Cryer. The Liberty and, uh, Forum, the uh, New Hampshire Liberty Forum 2008. It's happening on uh, January 3rd through the 6th, and really looking forward to it. All kinds of people, including the guy you mentioned there, who's uh, Tom Cryer was the guy that defeated the IRS uh, this past year, as I understand it. Yeah, and that's what I'm calling about. Uh, he actually does a show on the KCAA affiliate here at um, 7 o'clock on Fridays, right after your show. And, oh, cool. I was unaware. Yeah, so he, he battles uh, you know, income tax questions and stuff like that. Is he, he actually he there in your studio? Is he local to uh, Riverside? No, no. He, he does uh, call in. Gotcha. Satellite, or you know, he calls in, and, and we do it that way. But, but it's, um, originating. It's, it's originating from KCAA, or is it a syndicated show? Yeah, no, he's, um, he came back to do it on KCAA. Oh, cool. And um, I think he's trying to open up more uh, syndication. Great. So. Best of luck to him. Yeah, so I just wanted to fill you in on that. Okay. Anything else on your mind tonight? Uh, well, no. Tomorrow I go give the government some more money for this whole driver's license thing. And um, I was going to kind of track that stuff and, and maybe let you know how that thing is going as well. All right. Here we get to sit around in a circle and tell people how our day was also. So I'm looking forward to that. Wait, wait what is this? This is from the the driver's license revoke deal, deal that I, I had. Right. I, I mean, I know that you've been just going through this nightmare of bureaucracy and requirements and fees yeah, and jumping continues. through their, their hoops. But what is this sitting around in a circle part? I, I'm not familiar oh, that's, with that. That's the, uh, the alcohol education class that I will be having to take here shortly. Even though it, you've been clean for, for years, you, oh, yeah, they're, they're yeah. making you take that. Gotcha. But, you know, I'm taking it all in stride and just trying yeah. to... I guess take the education again. Well, what um, can you do? I mean, they're, they're going to mandate that you do these things. There's no point in being too upset about it. Otherwise, yeah. you're just going to give yourself an ulcer or something. Th- that's right. That's right. I was, I've already been called a, a grump since the age of five, so I mm. can't let this stuff uh, bother me too much. But, um, yeah, here we, we get to sit around and tell everybody how our day was and, you know, and, and how we're feeling right now and stuff like that. So it should be fun and interesting. I'm, I'm semi-looking forward to that and the... Uh, Alcohol Anonymous meetings they're making me do also, so it's going to be a new adventure. Well, there's got to be a good way to make the best of it, you know, maybe promote KCAA or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm going to kind of document it as well and, um, you know, share any any information that I can. Uh, I I try to give back to the community, so... um, I'm going to spread it whichever which way I could. Well, best of luck, Angel, and thanks for the call, as always. 1-800-259-9231. I said we were going to talk about toads, and I'm serious. Kansas City, Missouri, this from the Liberator Online, theadvocates.org, their bi-weekly publication, which is excellent. I highly recommend subscribing to it. But it is uh, new highs in the war on drugs. Mark it down as another glorious victory. A a Kansas City, Missouri man has been arrested and charged with possessing a toad. More specifically, possession with the intent to get high off of the venom from the toad. After raiding a home on suspicions that drugs were being manufactured there, police arrested David S. Thies and his toad, to be precise, his Sonoran Desert toad. When his breed, uh, when this breed of toad gets angry or scared, it secretes a venom containing bufotenin. Bufotenin, when ingested, is a hallucinogen. Thus, the federal government, ever vigilant of what we do with our own bodies and minds, has outlawed it. County Prosecutor Daniel White has careful, was careful to point out that mere possession of a toad, even a Sonoran Desert toad, is not per se illegal, but possession with the intent to use its venom to get high is illegal. 
And since Thies was charged with several drug offenses, among them possessing mescaline, a controlled substance extracted from a cactus, he surely must have owned the toad for sinister reasons. In such cases, Prosecutor White says, the toad is considered drug paraphernalia, and owners must face the consequences. Naturally, the Internet is part of the menace. Prosecutor White warns that some websites feature instructional videos on how to extract the venom and smoke it. Thies was released on bond. However, the toad was kept in custody at the police crime lab. Somehow that doesn't seem fair. United Press International reports that Thies is believed to be the first person in the Kansas City area to be charged with toad licking. But if vigilant Kansas City drug warriors have their way, he will certainly not be the last. Now, in our view, arresting people for owning a toad or smoking toad venom is stupid and idiotic and laughable, not to mention tyrannical. And judging from the hundreds of mocking news stories around the world that have been written about this case, many people agree. But is it any less absurd and tyrannical than arresting people for, say, growing and smoking a common plant, something we've heard from reliable sources happens quite often in the United States of America? One time, America was hailed as the land of the free, but now we can be hauled off by the cops for owning a toad for non-government-sanctioned purposes. What would Thomas Jefferson say? From the uh, Kansas City Star and the Advocates for Self-Government. I mean, who would have thought, huh? I I mean, I've seen parodies done about people being arrested for toad licking and having anti-drug campaigns about that. Um, And now it has become reality. It has become reality. Uh, It's a good point that it sounds ridiculous to most people. Um, that you would be arrested for that, but by the same token, marijuana is illegal. Many substances are illegal that, when you really think about it, doesn't make much sense to arrest an adult for possessing something that they want to consume. And look at, I mean, look at the the steps that some people will go through to get high. They'll buy a toad and... Well, I, I mean, you can know, you go and, and buy a Sonoran Desert Toad? I suppose there are probably some exotic dealers out there you can probably get those things I'm from. I'm sure there's probably a market for them because yeah. they do contain a... But I mean that sounds like a process. You have to extract the venom from uh, venom from the toad in order to actually be able to utilize it. It's not like you can lick this toad. There's some sort of venom process there. Maybe it comes out through his skin. Maybe that's why uh, it's a secretion through the skin. And I believe Arrowwood was saying it's it is smoked on like a on some kind of heated disc and hmm. heated up and smoked. That's amazing to me. Just uh, the, some of the steps people will go through to get high. They don't care if it's legal or illegal. They're going to do it anyway. Why do but, we need to put these people in jail? But what, what, what kind of... I mean, when you look at the war on drugs and the burdens it's created on society, do we really need to expand it? I mean, how much social harm is done by consuming toad venom every year compared <laughs> to the amount of social harm and loss of freedom that will happen if we crack down... Well, it's a, it's a real possibility if we crack down on toads. I mean... Could be all kinds of red tape, but um, this is just and, nuts. You know, more bad news this week. Um, January first, salvia divinorum becomes illegal what? in Illinois. Oh, okay, okay. Um, that takes a. F- is that, that the first state to do that, or is there uh, a couple more? I think, I think. D- Delaware did it first. Um, mm. No federal law yet. Uh, hopefully, there won't be one. Stock up while you can. Well, it's. <laughs> I mean, it's mail order. It's legal in so many places. Right. It's. It, it's going to be even with it illegal. It'll be very hard for them to control it. But they're oh, treat- it's always hard for them to control it. But they're going to be treating it as the same as a Schedule One drug. So they're going to be treating it the same as marijuana possession wow. or heroin possession. Sure. Sale or any of that. It's all it's going to be the same. Hey, well, that's a good market opportunity for people that are willing to flaunt the law and work the black market. You know, stock up now on the salvia. And then once it goes illegal, 
it'll become illegal for the, the vendors to sell it to Illinois. So the mail order vendors will be breaking the law by selling it to Illinois residents. So most of them will just say, sorry, can't sell it to you. So it actually will get a little more difficult to, uh, to find salvia in the state, which means it's a perfect opportunity for someone looking to make a little bit of profit, you know, black market drug dealers, that sort of thing. You stock up when it's legal at a, at a cheap legal price, and then you sell it out on the streets uh, after it goes illegal and, you know, double or triple your money or something. Yeah, I mean, it's quite a lot to go through uh, to try to outlaw a, a perfectly harmless plant, but they're willing to put people through it. So, hey, here's another one for you. Uh, since this war on drugs is just so nuts, I mean, they arrested a man for having a toad. I mean, that's how insane it has gotten. And you have to remember that occasionally these cops will, they'll be, uh, you know, they really get off on doing the kicking in the door thing and rushing into people's houses. Some, with, some of them do. With guns pointed. The ones that do those jobs. Usually if you're in narcotics, get, if yeah. you're in the DA, you do, yes. Uh, and so... It's all fun and games for the police until they hurt the wrong person. Of course, in my opinion, it's all bad. They should just stop it all. But it's even worse when they are kicking in the door of somebody who's never even had anything to do with drugs. They've never been connected with a uh, with drug dealer or anything like that. And the cops just, just blew it. Well, in Battle Creek, Michigan, a law enforcement student says she might give up her dream of police work after officers stormed her home while searching for bomb-making material. So, again, not drugs. We'll continue this story here in a few moments. It's not just her, though. There's another story as well uh, that's related where people have just been screwed over by the police. We'll tell you about it in hour number three. It's all completely unnecessary. More on the way. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. As we launch into hour number three of the program, it is Ian here with you. And Nick. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online. FreeTalkLive.com is the place to go. The features there are for free. Once again, that's FreeTalkLive.com. Uh, on the way here, we can talk about schools, but I said we we're going to continue the story. We didn't quite have time to uh, to finish up. It's just a short one from just to give you an example of how destructive, how terrible uh, some of these police departments around the country can be when they're going in, guns blazing, kicking in doors, using battering rams, exploding tear gas devices, and in many cases, the victims are completely innocent of anything. They just, you know, the cops got the wrong house. Or whatever the issue is. They got some bad information, the wrong tip. And they go in and they, they, use, they show their force and people get scared and hurt. Sometimes people die. And as a result, uh, as a result it just makes the cops look bad, makes them look worse and worse in the eyes of the public. In this case, it's from HollandSentinel.com, Battle Creek, Michigan. A law enforcement student says she might give up her dream of police work after officers stormed her home while searching for bomb-making materials. Charity Young tells the Battle Creek Inquirer that police with guns and wearing black masks terrorized her and her two-year-old son. This is... how. Why would anyone say this is necessary? Like, even if there was a chance that there were bomb materials there, why do you need to go in with, with you know, MP5s 
wearing black masks and shouting and yelling. Why is that necessary? If it's a bomb-making material, odds are good that there's not some mad bomber just standing in the middle of his living room waiting for the cops to break in. Couldn't you just use a little more tact? I yeah, I think you could. Um, I've never understood the black masks. I can understand them. They're being... embarrassed. They don't want to be seen. Well, supposedly what they say is um, they don't want to be targeted if they go after a criminal element. They don't want to be singled out for being targeted but mm. i think that's i i think that's stretching it especially in a case like this um and i can understand when they bring a gun along um i don't think they have to crack out an arsenal i can understand if they grab a long arm when they go in right i mean it's not like if they have some reason to expect resistance but they but, go ahead i'm sorry well the mentality is really the problem the yes was just kick in the door like almost like a house-to-house search in baghdad is the way they they do it here. Yeah, it is. It, and it's it's got to be a frightening experience. I mean, usually they barely even take the time to yell police before they bash in the front door. I believe the Supreme Court has uh, essentially given them the go-ahead to yell and then two seconds later uh, bash in the front door. So, in this case, Detective Sergeant Todd Madsen says officers were investigating bomb threats at Battle Creek Central High School. He says a search warrant had been obtained for Young's home after at least three students reportedly heard her 16-year-old son make statements about bomb threats. Are you serious? That's all it takes to raid someone's house with a SWAT team and scare the crap out of a young lady and her two-year-old son? Is some kids at a school said something about what another one of their uh, co-students said? That's nothing more than hearsay. Now, look, I don't know what it was like for you going to high school, but when I was in high school, there were different cliques, and different cliques didn't really get along very well with one another. Is it completely possible that three people would have gone to the administration and said, hey, I heard that Nick was talking about blowing something up this weekend? Even though you didn't say anything at all to that effect, isn't it possible that someone could have done something like that? Um, They could have. I, I, You know... Students in high school will often um, say things about bombs or guns um, that aren't related to threatening anybody, and uh, people will take it the wrong way sure. sometimes. They won't hear um, the whole thing or whatever. Right. Um, I think generally it's a, it happens every day in American high schools, and um, it's just generally not reported because people understand that people talk about certain things right. and, you know... This is just not necessarily planning to kill a bunch of people. This is just utter crap. I mean, who could possibly? Uh, and I know we have some some law enforcers, uh, law enforcement officers listening to the show, and I'd love to have them chime in here. But as a law enforcement officer, who could look at this case and say this was good detective work? I mean, are you kidding me? There was actually no real threat made to anybody of consequence. No one picked up the phone and called in a threat. If that had happened, well, then you'd have some real evidence. But all you've got are a couple high school kids saying that someone said something. Right. I mean, to be fair, to be fair, um, it depends on the student's history. I don't know if the student had a history of violence, um, maybe mm. a, a history of making threats. I could see a judge granting a search warrant, but there's the SWAT no, team. There's no need to send a SWAT team. Why not no. just send two officers in the middle of the day, have them knock on the front door? That would door, be enough. Come in, look around. Right. Nope, there's nothing here. Sorry yeah. to bother you. Right. It's it, they really are going overboard. And they, they use the SWAT team in more and more instances where it's completely unnecessary. Oh, they use it now just uh, almost like a modus operandi to, to do uh, 
to do search warrants. Right. It, it used to be, am I wrong about this, but didn't the SWAT team originally used to be for, like, violent situations where someone's being held hostage, that sort of thing? Yeah, they were basically the backup, or if you if you knew that there was a group of very heavily armed people that, you know, that you were going to execute a search warrant on, yeah. then you'd send them in. But they weren't just used as the fir- standard practice. Right. We used the SWAT team to do searches. That's... Yep. That's not what they were supposed to be around for. It's just nonsense. Oh, by the way, the uh, last line in the story here, no bomb-making materials were found. So they went in, they kicked in the door, they screamed, they yelled, they scared the crap out of this young lady that was actually considering becoming a police officer. She uh, apparently had uh, a life's dream of being a police officer. Now she's thinking about giving that up. So once again, scaring the good guys away. And uh, keeping the bad guys on the force, that tends to be what happens. The good guys, the, we're told there are so many good cops, but when we actually talk to them on the air, they're all either in the process of quitting or they've already quit because they're tired of all the corruption and they're tired of the, the unnecessary violence. And you know what? If you were, Even if this kid did have bomb-making materials, and even if he was at home, usually the excuse from the police as far as, hey, why are you guys using a SWAT team in this case? Well, it's because he might get rid of the evidence. We've got to be quick. We've got to be fast. No, you don't. It's certainly not with bomb making. Not even with a drug dealer. You can't flush a pound of cocaine in any decent amount of time. And especially with bombs. You're talking about, you know, pipe bombs and all kinds of... They've got to have housings to to go into. Oh, yeah. I mean, there would be lots of evidence to go. You can't can't just flush it down the toilet. I mean, this is nuts. But it's going on all over the country. And it could happen to you next. Apparently, if some kids at school don't like your son or daughter. So, I mean, a lot of people think, you know, when they hear these stories, they say to themselves, well, my son's good. He would never do something like that. Well, first of all, you might not necessarily know all the things that your son is, you know, saying at school during the daytime. And even if your son is good, if they get bad information or they raid the wrong house, you're, you could end up dead. If you make the wrong move in front of these cops and there's one of them with an itchy trigger, uh, trigger finger, psst, say goodbye. And the, the cops won't bother to apologize afterwards. It doesn't, doesn't matter to them if they've torn up your house, they've gone through all your belongings, searched everything, and just strewn things about everywhere. They'll just leave. They don't care. You get to put it all back together. You should be happy, citizen, that we didn't take you into the clink tonight. That's their mentality. And it's just, it's just despicable. But it's not, uh, it doesn't end there. In Ocala, Florida, according to TampaBay's10.com, A 22-year-old Ocala woman says her faith in the justice system is shaken forever. Amy Sellers spent nine days in jail for a warrant warrant that wasn't even hers. The Marion County Sheriff's Office arrested Ms. Sellers on a warrant for another Amy Sellers. Now, the other Amy is six years older than this one. The wrongly arrested Amy says she didn't even get to see a judge during her stay in jail. Her boyfriend took three days off from work trying to prove to the sheriff's office that they had the wrong Amy. After eight days in jail, the sheriff's office finally realized they'd made a clerical error. But still, they waited an entire extra day to release her. Why? Well, because they don't care. They, they don't have any interest in providing you with customer service or even pretending to give a damn about you and your situation. This girl's 22. I'm sure she had a job to be at for that week that she was in jail. But who cares? Her name matches the same. It's the same name. Must be the same person. Well, that's some real quality detective work there, guys. Noah Raymond for nine days. Yeah. 
Speedy trial, huh? Yeah. 800-259-9231. And I'm supposed to be happy? We have government police? These people aren't protecting anything but their own jobs and the system. More on the way. You can take control. We'll take you into a police academy class next. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. The Sickle CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. That's the place to go. The feature's there for free. So if you want to get, uh, I don't know, kept up to date with the show, you can get sent up for our updates list at updates.freetalklive.com. You get on that for free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. Do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you'd like to keep your clients, too. SACL CAI, check out their banner at freetalklive.com or call 800-544-6359. That's 800-544-6359 for SACL CAI. Our number here is 800-259-9231. And as always, you can bring up anything. We go to the phones. It's Jeremy in Montana listening on KGEZ. Hey, Jeremy. Hey, originally I wanted to call you up in and ask you why you say as usual or as always every time you talk to me. But I wanted to commend Julia at the same time for um, because I know she does co-host to this show. Sometimes she does, and um, for at least getting out and trying, did she make the city council? I didn't. Hear. She didn't. She uh, she got twenty two and a half percent of the vote, and uh, so it was a two way race. And I I considered it a success, uh, considering the amount of money we spent. We spent seventy dollars on the campaign and we didn't really we weren't even really able to campaign in the ways that we wanted to because the New Hampshire state attorney genital uh decided to threaten her with up to 7 years in prison for going out and offering people to to essentially give her paychecks back to the taxpayers. Uh, They didn't like that very much, and so as a result, we'd had these campaign flyers printed up, which was what the bulk of the $70 went to. It was like $40 of the $70 was for the campaign flyers, and we'd already passed out about 500 of them, or no, maybe maybe about 400, and we couldn't pass out the other 600 because they became contraband. So the the campaign was kind of crushed by the state. I had one more thing, Ian. Uh, the reason I wanted to commend her was because, um, you know, a lot of other talk show hosts and co-hosts, even like John, where I live, you know, and Savage, Michael, all these guys that Alex Jones, they they all got a way to fix the world, but none of them want to get out there and run for any office. And Oh, I don't blame them. I mean, running for office sucks, and Julia didn't want to run for office either. She absolutely couldn't stand the process, uh, the, the the attention that was brought to her. I mean, in my opinion, it was positive attention, but she still didn't really like having to go through some of the stuff that she went through with uh, the people attacking her and just the, the dirtiness of the political world. It's really a disheartening thing, and as a result, you know, she's considering not doing it again in another two years. I think that some people are going to try to talk her into it. I think she should give it another shot because I think that's what they want. I yeah. think that they want to scare her away. Uh, they they were frightened by her running in the in the race because she brought ideas in and I she brought in some really original ideas that people don't normally hear in the political process and they didn't like that. They were quite fr- quite frightened by it and rightfully so. And so I think that they want her to stay away and I hope that she doesn't. Well, the the thing that I don't get is how like you know somebody like Michael Savage who brags on 
how many listeners he's got and Does he? how what he's got to the world and everything and that and then they don't do nothing but talk. You know, they don't that's why I wanted to commend Julie is because she actually got out there and tried to run for something and make a change instead of sit on her butt. It's a great it. point, Jeremy, and thank you for the call tonight. 1-800-259-9231. Completely agree with it. I mean, most of the people in this business are paid to talk, and, and that's their job, and they do it fairly well, I guess. That's fine. Uh, but they don't. Pur- I don't think they purport to be activists. I don't think that uh, you know Michael Savage or Rush Limbaugh really purport themselves in that way. And so I don't think they're trying to pretend like they aren't th- that there's something they aren't in that way. Well, it doesn't even have to be running for office either. I mean, you could, there's a lot of different things you could do for activism. I mean, sure. work for an institute like Downsize DC, promote something like that. Or if you don't want to actually run for office, but you want to help someone's campaign. Do something like help out with the Ron Paul campaign or a local person who right. wants to reduce the size of government and do it that way. But do, doing something's better than doing nothing. Activism is, uh, yeah, there's so many different ways you could be activist. I mean, writing a letter to the editor of your newspaper is considered activism. And I don't know how much or how little some of these other talk show hosts do. I imagine it's very, very little. Uh, you know, they, they come in and they do their show. And the, the general theme in the industry, the way the industry looks, the talk radio indus- industry, looks at uh, that sort of thing is that, you know, you need to be in the business first and foremost to entertain people, to get them to listen to your show so they listen to the commercial breaks and patronize the advertisers. First and foremost, that's the number one reason you want to be here. And I agree with that because obviously having listeners and having them stay listening to the show is, is a critical component. And they basically say that if you're getting into talk radio to change the world or you're getting into talk radio to get a candidate elected, then you're doing it for all the wrong reasons. And that I, I completely agree with. Uh, on the other hand, I think that uh, you know being, being on the radio is an important thing uh, for people that are coming from our viewpoint, at least, the, the pro-liberty viewpoint, because it's a viewpoint that's unheard of in the rest of talk radio. It's not a partisan thing. It's not a Democrat and Republican thing. It's a right versus wrong thing. And so talking about liberty isn't the same as one of those other hosts getting on the air and spouting off his party's talking points. I think it's a completely different situation. Right, and I think you can do the right thing for the wrong reasons. Even if you get in the business for what the business would consider the wrong reasons, it still doesn't mean you're not going to do well with the show. I mean, it all depends on whether, if your show is entertaining, people listen, people stay through the ads. That's true, but it, what they've, I think what they've generally found is that, like with Air America, this uh, liberal talk radio network, they, a lot of these hosts got in there with the intention to you know, trash the Republicans and promote the Democrats. And if that's all your show is, and th- same thing for the converse, if all you're doing is trashing uh, the Democrats and promoting the Republicans, it's not, I think it's a little bit weak. I think that's uh, not that entertaining to the majority of listeners. And the fact is the majority of listeners aren't Democrats or Republicans. In the world of talk radio, uh, statistics show they've, they've, you know, they've interviewed listeners and they found that over 60% of them are neither which is, again, why I think that, you know, libertarian, liberty-oriented shows do so well in talk radio, because we aren't pandering to one side or the other. We don't have that allegiance uh, that many of those talk show hosts have, and I think that's really important. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free level. The important thing is to get active in your life in whatever way that you can, and and Nick suggested some, some great options 
But uh, that's something that we certainly encourage here on Free Talk Live because we can't do it alone. You know, we can't we can't get out here and get on the radio and change the world. That's not possible. All we can do is get on the radio and talk about ideas. That's what we do, and I think we do it fairly well on this show. We get on, we talk about things that no one else is talking about, or very, very few people in the radio industry are talking about, and help uh, you know, get people to think of things from a different perspective. Instead of this left-right mentality, red team versus blue team, Republicans and Democrats, we are trying to promote a, a different idea, and I think it's very powerful, and I think it's one that, that inevitably will lead people to make a change in their life and move toward uh, being more active, because I think that they can see how bad things are really getting out there when they listen to a show like this one, and they say to themselves, you know, I've had it. I've had it with sitting around and pretending like I'm making a difference by just listening to the radio or whatever. Get out and do something. Go join the Free State Project. Move to New Hampshire. Join, you know, uh, the, the Ron Paul meetup groups in your area. Meet other like-minded individuals that also believe in liberty to help reinforce your belief system and get out there and spread the message of freedom. That's what uh, I think it's all about. More on the way. You can take control of the airwaves. Uh, coming up, the Police Academy class slogan. You're going to love this. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. Bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the Sankel CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. We've got live streams, broadband version of the show, and a dial-up version, both for free for you at freetalklive.com. Barry Cooper wants you to never get busted. Jim Lark was the chairman of the Libertarian Party. Ethan Nadelman, the founder of the Drug Policy Alliance. Peter Christ, a spokesman for law enforcement against prohibition. And Ron Paul has called for an end to federal drug raids. They all want to end the war on drugs, and they'll all be at the New Hampshire Liberty Forum. Where will you be? Register now at freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. That's freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. And use the code 2008FTL if you want to save 10%. That's 2008FTL. Still to come, we're going to give you the um, (laughs) just shocking slogan from a police academy class in a moment. But first, we go to your phone calls. Talk to Alex in Florida. Alex, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Nick. Hey, what's up, guys? How are you? Hey, good. What's on your mind? You're hearing me okay? Yeah, we got you. All right, cool. Uh, I want to say a couple of news uh, or news things that are going on with the Ron Paul campaign that I don't know if uh, have been mentioned before. Okay, kind of a few days old, but um, you guys know about the meet, uh, meet the Press, Tim Russert interview, right? Yeah, we started the show out uh, tonight talking about how uh, Ron Paul's been stirring things up in the media with his honest assessment of uh, the Civil War and how it wasn't really about slavery and it was more about uh, just. Uh, c- controlling the states and preventing them from se- from seceding, and the the news media certainly didn't like that. Was that what you wanted to focus on, or something different? Well, something different, but yeah, I mean, that shows that the journalists don't read anything. They don't read any real history. They nope. don't they don't dwell into uh, uh, conflicts in American history. And uh, I mean, I remember when I was a kid that the Civil War was still a sticky uh, subject, but nowadays everyone, I guess, uh, believes that Lincoln is a uh, you know supreme being and all that. But yeah, that's but basically the attitude was, that they're uh, that they're portraying. Yeah, it's real sad. But uh, it actually, it came out that Lou Rockwell posted on his blog that um, 
Tim Russert's son is actually a Ron Paul revolutionary, which I found very interesting. Hmm. And um, and that was a little that's sort of like a little interesting note. Yeah. And also, uh, Carl Rove was on um, Hannity and Combs a few days ago. I think it was a week or two ago. And he was talking about how he could see himself supporting any candidate to the Republicans, except, and he mentioned he mentioned by name every Republican candidate. And then he said, but I but I, um, uh, they might make uh, an uninformed and uh, and uh, a harsh decision and uh, jump on the bandwagon and <laughs> not elect one of those. And yeah. he didn't say Ron Paul's name, you know. He didn't say Ron Paul's name, but it implied, you know, when you say every other Republican's name and then you say, I hope people don't jump on the bandwagon, we know who you're talking about. So. Yeah. Well, that's funny, because it sounds to me like he's scared. I mean, suggesting that there is a bandwagon to be jumped on, and that he's worried that voters are going to do that. I mean, it sounds like they're a little bit frightened. Yeah, the establishment is definitely frightened. Karl Rove is is at least uh, uh, weary that that Ron Paul could get the nomination. And, I mean, you saw saw a 6% jump in the American Research Group's uh, poll in Iowa of Ron Paul. And um, that's that's all real good stuff. And the hardcore Republicans in Iowa are liking Ron Paul. That doesn't even measure the independents, Democrats that are coming over, new new Republicans that are voting. Sure. So Ron Paul has a real good chance. So I think so. I mean, I don't but, want to uh, blow it out of proportion. I don't know how good it is, but I think it sure as hell is a lot better than any other Libertarian candidate we've ever seen. Time will tell. Indeed it will. Any other thoughts tonight, Alex? Yeah, uh, something real quick. Uh, I just want to sort of... Put something out there that uh, I hear a lot of like socialist people talking about, and just uh, people in general talking about differences between communism and capitalism. And um, I hear people talking about capitalism, saying, "Oh, we don't, you know, we don't want capitalism because they'll create monopolies and all that." But <laughs> I like to tell people how, aside from the theoretical arguments why monopolies wouldn't occur in a capitalist society, I like to take them back into the history of economics and and really show them how, in fact. Communism was was created to bring monopolies. Monopolies in, in the Karl Marx in Karl Marx's ideas were real good things because mm. if you centralized everything and became more efficient, you know, the resources weren't wasted. Nonsense, ideas were able of to to manipulate uh, and and improve production better. And right. um, we saw they were completely wrong about that. Right. Exactly. Right. Right. But uh, you see Karl Marx talking about how he hated the anarchy and the means of production. That you know the means of production were everywhere and they weren't centralized. So the, the core difference historically between capitalism and communism is that one favored monopolies while the other favored anarchy in the means of production. Anarchy in and uh, no one owned all the iron or no one owned owned all the, the the means of making bread or something of that nature. So I'd be weary when people start saying that capitalism creates monopolies because it's it, the old the communists and socialists of of yesteryear argued that because they don't create monopolies, because capitalism doesn't create monopolies, we need to implement communism. Well, those are people that are, you know, they're just revising history. I mean, they're they're just making crap up, uh, and and they they play off of uh, the, basically what the government schools have been teaching kids in America, and that is that well, there was these evil robber barons and uh, these evil capitalists that just wanted to buy up everything and own everything and uh, make all this money off of it. See, kids, capitalism's bad because of the robber barons. And of course, you know, they don't they don't really tell the truth about what uh, what capitalism is, and as a result, capitalism has sort of become this. Uh, this dirty word. I saw a video of a Ron Paul supporter 
uh, the other night, I saw a video that uh, was taken because he he'd moved to New Hampshire as part of Operation Live Free or Die, and even he, even he in his tirade uh, about you know he was talking about why he joined the operation, why he supports Ron Paul. Right. Even he misused the term capitalism. He used it in a sort of a negative connotation. So it just really goes to show how widespread the misunderstanding of that term is. Even amongst Ron Paul supporters, there are people that don't really understand uh, what capitalism really is. Well, I'd like to remind you know listeners that the closest thing to a monopoly, supposedly, that the capitalist society ever had was uh, the Rockefeller Oil Company, and they had 80-plus percent of, of the share of, of, uh, of the market. And um, in, in, in monopoly theory, monopolies are supposed to cut back on supply and increase price. But it just happened to be this company that had 80-plus percent of the market uh, increase supply and and lowered prices. Mm-hmm. So otherwise they'd have lost their market the share. That doesn't work. Right. If they hadn't have done that, they'd have lost their market share to their competitors. Right. Yeah, so the other twenty percent, fifteen percent can move in real quick and kill uh, kill their market share. Yeah, exactly right. And it just really again it goes to show how people have just been misinformed over the years. I mean the the fact is all the robber barons that they point to were men with connections to government. Uh, they were men with the ability to use the, the guns of government and the violence of the state to ensure that they had protection from co- from competition. That's why they were bad guys, right. not because they were capitalists. I don't even know if you could call them capitalists. They're right. corporatists. Oh, and Ian, one last thing. What's your favorite Megadeth album? Oh gosh, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> they're they're pretty. Uh, I don't know. Maybe uh, peace. No. Uh, hang. I can't even think of the names of the albums right now. It's just I don't listen to I don't listen to music anymore. I don't really pay attention to it. But uh, thanks for asking and thanks for the call, Alex. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. I like the album with Hanger eighteen on it. That's a good album, but I don't remember what it's called. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Nick, I mean, are you with me on this capitalist mis uh, misunderstanding? Absolutely. Well, what, part of the problem is that we use capitalists to describe the system we have today, and it's wrong. It's not. Well, it's a mixed economy. It's right. wrong, but people don't really realize that we right. don't have. A, people are told that we have a capitalist country, and they they believe that you know it's a it's a basically a free market. It's um, not even close. But though. they don't realize they don't really realize the full regulatory burden, how, right. just how socialized and corporatized the market is. You're right, and, and that's why I believe that the term capitalism is dead. I think it's one of those dead terms like anarchy that should just be completely rejected by people in the liberty movement, uh, because then you just have to spend all this time explaining to people you know, what capitalism really is all about and why we don't really have a capitalist country today, and uh, but, you know, all this sort of backpedaling that you have to do to try to save the term. I don't know if free market is that much better off, but I feel like it hasn't been maligned as much. That's just the impression I get. Well, it's hard to malign it because it has the word free in it. So it, <laughs> when they attack that term, they kind of have to say, we need an unfree market. It kind, of, it kind of forces them to admit to what they really are. Right. So I don't think that, uh, that's why I don't like the term anarcho-capitalist. I think it combines two of the worst, most misunderstood terms together in the same uh, concept. Uh, free marketeer, uh, voluntarist, anything's better than anarcho-capitalist. But you can take control, even in these remaining moments. And again, we'll give you the slogan for a police academy class you won't believe in moments. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain, but just enough time for your call if you make it now. At 1-800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. 
It's Ian here with you. Hey, Nick. 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features we give away, so enjoy those. And if you like the show, you want to help support Free Talk Live, go shopping at the Free Talk Live store. Just go to store.freetalklive.com and load up your cart with all kinds of great Free Talk Live-related merchandise. Everything from DVD, classic, archive collector sets to clothing like uh, T-shirts and hoodies. We've got hats, various different types, uh, including uh, just regular sort of standard hats to uh, little beanie caps, uh, skull caps for wintertime. We've got all that stuff. Store.freetalklive.com. But you need to know, if you order between now and the end of the year, and you order, including in your order, you include a uh, Free Talk Live t-shirt. It, it could just be in one order for one t-shirt. As long as there's one t-shirt in your order, uh, you, we will send $10 to the Ron Paul campaign. So it's a great extra excuse to go there and shop at the Free Talk Live store. You'll get some great Free Talk Live gear. You'll help the Ron Paul campaign at the same time. What could be better? Store.freetalklive.com. All right, you're, you're just going to be blown away by this one. Or maybe you won't. Maybe you're as cynical and jaded as I am towards the police, and you won't be surprised at all. Well, anyway, here's the story. From the Associated Press, Boise, Idaho. A state police academy leader has disavowed the slogan of the most recent graduating class, urging one another to go out and cause post-traumatic stress disorder. See, each class at the Idaho Police Officer Standards and Training Academy is allowed to choose a slogan that's printed on its graduation programs. And the class of 43 graduates came up with, Don't suffer from PTSD. Go out and cause it. <laughs> that's what they wanted to print on their graduation programs. Somehow the word got out, and now listen to these uh, officials backpedal away from it. According to the Veterans Association, tens of thousands of U.S. soldiers suffer from PTSD, which causes nightmares, flashbacks, and physical symptoms that make sufferers feel as if, as if they're reliving trauma even many, le- uh, many years later. Crime, accidents, and other trauma can also cause it in civilians. Ada County Sheriff Gary Rainey, who attended the December 14th graduation, pointed out the slogan to the Academy's director, Jeff Black, minutes before the ceremony began. Rainey said a photograph of the program was emailed anonymously to news outlets throughout the state. This is not something we can uh, we encourage or condone, said Black. It shouldn't have been there. It was inappropriate. Black said the class president was ex-military and the, the slogan slipped in. He declined to identify the graduate. And Black said future slogans would be vetted by academy leaders. So, well, Boise, Idaho is in Baghdad, so I don't think there's quite a need for the kill them all attitude. Yeah, I mean, but really, it really is a look into the mindset because there, are, there were 43 graduates in this class. Now, the 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 uh, the big wigs in the police department are trying to downplay this. They're saying, well, this would never. If we had been vetting this, this would never have made it through. And it was just the work of one guy. He slipped it in. I, I don't know if I believe them. I mean, maybe it's just me because I don't trust the cops. But if the if it's the graduates that it's their responsibility to pick the slogan, there must have been some level of discussion. There must have been oh, some yeah. some level of consensus here. Then they all said, yeah, that's a great idea, well, PTSD. <laughs> Let's go out and cause it, boys. That's the unsettling part. Is the ne- this next generation of police officers is right is coming up with a slogan like that. And, and it really is a look into the mindset of some of these people. And th- this is how they think. <laughs> the, the slogan isn't, let's go out and protect and serve the citizens. 
I mean, it could, that would make a little more sense. It would be a little more traditional, at least, to to uh, to sort of reinforce the mythology of the police department that that's what they're supposed to be out there doing. But they're not even bothering with that anymore. Now it's hey, we're gonna go cause you PS, uh, PTSD. Yeah, I I like the one we have here better. The state police say, I think, respect all, fear none, something like that. Respect all, fear none. Hmm. Okay, that's okay. It's okay. Yeah. But uh, when you have a a slogan like that, like this one coming out of Idaho, it's just. What's I don't think I don't think I don't think you or I could have come up with something more Mm -hmm. ridiculous for even tongue in cheek for a police academy motto. What I mean that makes me wonder when. What's next? I mean, is next year's slogan going to be crushing skulls with pride? I mean, how far is this going to go? I don't know. I mean, this this goes farther than I thought. It's amazing. It, it, it would in America. And, and I bet you if this hadn't been mailed out to the news media, that this would have just gone right through and the, <laughs> it would have just been kind of funny. I'm, I'm sure it would have. Yeah. But so they got caught with their pants down, they got caught red-handed, and then all of a sudden the backpedaling starts. Well, this never would have happened. We're going to be vetting this in the future. you know. And that way they can keep all this under wraps. See, that just because they vet the slogan, that won't mean the people are thinking any differently. That won't mean the cops don't have this kick-ass and take-names attitude anymore. Right, well, that's that's the real problem is some people might say, oh, well, this was only a joke. If you're making a joke like that, right. and there's consensus that, haha, that's funny among a group of police officers, it, right. it really makes you question the integrity and the intentions of, of a, a, a whole police academy class, yep. not just one or two guys. But this is an example where you know there was a consensus among a large group of people. Certainly, some people are uh, more prone to be leaders than others, and it, I'm sure there were certain individuals that were more promoting this amongst the 43 members. But nonetheless, uh, just it's just another despicable example of how these people think. They are not out there. Do not fool yourself into thinking that these police. Now, I understand we'll always get the complaints. You guys are unfair to the cops. There are good ones out there. I know there are some good cops out there, but. There's no end to the stories of corruption. There's no end to the stories of just cops out of control. We gave you two stories this hour. They're busting into people's houses completely unnecessarily using an unnecessary show of force, arresting a woman because she had the same name as another lady, and just holding her in jail just because they could, Uh, just doing terrible, tyrannical things, tasers being utilized when they're completely unnecessary. We see story after story of how out of control these cops are, and it should be very clear to you that the cops are not here to keep you safe. It may say protect and serve on the side of their car, but they're here to protect and serve the state and not you. That's clear to me. They aren't here to keep you safe. They're here to arrest you. If a cop is talking to you, he's looking, odds are good, he's looking for some reason to put you in a jail cell. So it really just comes down to a matter of uh, dealing with the police in a sensible manner, and that is avoiding them at all costs. Because there's no reason to bring them into your life. And I mean, the only reason I could think of is if somebody died and you had to call. And in that case, I would call the, you know, uh, the ambulance. Please don't bring the cops along. OK, I don't want them here. But I mean, really, if there's any way to avoid getting them involved in your daily life, please avoid it. Don't think for a moment that if you've got trouble with your son or daughter, that calling the cops in is going to help solve that problem. We've we've read stories where parents will call the police in to help, you know, maybe come give a lecture to little Johnny because he's been out of line. And what do they end up doing? They end up arresting him. In the case of the 14-year-old, 
in down in Florida who was arrested for taking his grandmother's car for a joyride. She called the cops on her grandson thinking that cops were going to help. She's been raised, you know, with this mentality that the cops are helpful. They're your friendly little public servants and you can use them to help well, keep your kids in line. Especially with an older woman. There was a, there was a day and age in America where the cops probably would if you, most people probably back then wouldn't have called the cops on that, but they they might have just given the kid a lecture and gone. But things yeah, are maybe an now. Andy Griffith time. Yes, but sure. things have changed now. We've we've shifted to an us versus them mentality on the part of a lot right. of law enforcement officers and agencies. That's what I was trying to. That's what I'm trying to yeah. point out here is don't call the cops. Because they showed up, they arrested this kid, they put him in a juvie camp, and then he got his—he got the crap beat out of him and died at the hands of his captors. So she wanted to show, you know, teach her grandson a lesson, and boy, she got more than she bargained for. And then there's plenty of examples where the cops will come around sniffing for evidence. You know, they'll get some, they'll get some tip or whatever, and they'll come up to your house looking for something, or you know, maybe they think you're smoking marijuana. Whatever the, whatever it is that they're coming there for. If the cops knocking on your front door, don't answer it. Barry Cooper from NeverGetBusted.com. I was watching him. Uh, he was inter- being interviewed by Mark Emery, who I'm trying to get back on the show, by the way, from Cannabis Culture Magazine. He was being interviewed, and Barry Cooper said it. A former police officer, one of the top narcotics agents in Texas, he said, there's no reason to answer the door. Because the old thing, and we've talked about this before, we used to think this was a good idea, and now I agree with Barry, but the old idea was, well, if the cops come to your house, you walk outside, close the door behind you, lock the door and close it behind you if you want to talk to the cops. There's no reason to talk to them. If they got a warrant, they're coming in anyway. So That's what no he said. To yeah. answer. So if they, and if they don't, they're going away. Right. So why bother? If you really want to talk to the cops, talk to them through the door. Because especially if something's going on on the inside. I mean, if you've got a, somebody smoking a bong or whatever uh, in your house and you open the door, the cop smells the marijuana, there is his probable cause to come in and search. So don't give them anything. Better yet, don't even talk to them. Don't answer the door. Do, the, uh, do what the, the people do in, in the hood and ignore the police because they are not going to make your life better. It's been Ian here with you. And Nick. We'll see you tomorrow night. You can join us online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.